Welcome to Dig It. This is The Speaker. I am here today, as usual, with The Sharp Edge and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you beautiful ladies doing? Doing good. Staying grounded, even though this year's been a freaky roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah, I've been planting a lot of flowers lately and just thoroughly enjoying it. Mm. So but, but before we get into this, I want to apologize for last week. None of us could make it. Uh, it was really bad schedule for all of us, and we felt it felt really weird actually, not yeah. doing this with you girls. And also, we don't like letting our subs and our followers down, so we do apologize for that. Um, so, what are we going to get in today? Because there's a lot going on. I mean, we've got global protests for anti-lockdown, um, the Flynn case, which Edge is going to get into, Russia Gate, Obama Gate. Um, Corey's got a few articles that she would like to talk about. Um, so let's roll in, ladies. Let's roll in with you, Edge. What would you like to start with? Well, you know, the big news is Flynn and Obamagate, of course. Obamagate. <laughs> Trump, Trump really got that trending, didn't he? <laughs> what did we end up at? Were we at about three million at least? Close to close to three million. He, I don't know actually, because. It- it kept, they kept like, changing it, it. it back down. Yeah, mm. he's he's <laughs> been really good over the last couple of days of like retweeting. He uh, retweeted that Joe Scarborough thing with the murder of the intern or the death of the intern that was found in his office. So right. you've, got, you've got like CNN and all that like putting these stories out there now, and it's exactly what he wanted. It's exactly what he plans to do. It's, 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 every time they just fall for the bait. Oh, he's yeah. just let loose. He's he's completely let loose, and he's he like, he's retweeting everyone. It's fantastic. He has oh, he's completely been gone savage. <laughs> yeah, it's good to say. Absolutely. So let's talk about Flynn. Um, okay, so last week, um, Odeon NI director Grinnell he forced Schiff's hand to release this set of documents that was on the Russia collusion house intelligence investigation. And Schiff was sitting on these documents for about a year uh, before he released them, before Grinnell forced his hand on releasing them. And it was pretty bombshell, the stuff that was inside of these documents. It proved that, of course, Flynn was set up and that there wasn't really any justification for spying on him. And not only that, but that they were... Even talking to him right. was against everything. Right, and that it was completely unfounded and that they were char- going to try and charge him with lying, with the Logan Act, all of these things, that it went all the way up to the top to Obama. He was involved in it. And not only that, but they it, it proves that these documents, these uh, transcripts prove that they were, um, that they knew that there was no evidence, and yet they lied to the public about this chef included and of, yeah and of course they went after flynn because flynn as we all say he knows where the bodies are buried you know he knew about the proliferation of isis of al-qaeda he knew about benghazi he knew about all of their secrets and as the national security advisor for trump you know, he was going to audit the intel agencies. He was going to consolidate them. He was going to uncover all their secrets, and they couldn't allow that to happen. That's why they targeted him. They couldn't let those secrets get out. They needed them buried. Mm. Well, they're coming out, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
whether they like it or not. So um, under AG Barr, the Justice Department, with these new re revelations, they dropped the Flynn prosecution case. And so uh, this was much to the outrage of Schiff and all these other deep st state you know, swamp creatures who were calling for Barr to step down over it. And then last week, you guys remember Obama, he faked this, this recording, uh, leaked it to um, you know, yep. Isaacoff over at Yahoo, which is their go-to guy. You know, Isaacoff is their go-to guy whenever they want to leak something. He was actually involved in the whole Steele dossier, uh, one of those um, reports. It was, you know, when the FBI lacked corroboration for um, you know, tapping, wiretapping Carter Page. They mm -hmm. cited a Yahoo article that was written by Isaac Hoff um, <laughs> using Steele as a source. So he's one of their guys, right? Right. So, so Obama leaks this, this you know, fake recording yeah. um, to Isaac Hoff that comes out last week where he's basically warning about the rule of law on this whole Flynn case and the DOJ dropping. Um, they're just, you know, dropping their, their, their case. Mm -hmm. So, so that makes you wonder, well, you know, why now? Why, why did Sullivan make this move this week? You know, was he influenced? What kind of, um, you know, what kind of dirt do they have on Sullivan to make him do what he did this week? So in this desperate attempt to drag the Flynn case out longer, Judge Sullivan does this kamikaze dive bomb this week that we just weren't even expecting at all. You know, he, he comes out and he says that he's going to, instead of signing off on this dismissal of the Flynn case, that's supposed to be just this mere formality this week. Instead right. of doing that, he delays the that and invites outside deep state groups to submit amicus curiae briefs. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it's unheard of. It's absolutely unheard of. It's basically allowing third parties to weigh in on this DOJ's decision to drop the case. And it's outrageous. So Flint's defense um, wrote a motion to deny this and basically saying that you know, the, propo the proposed amicus brief has no place in the court, and it's no accident that amicus briefs are excluded in criminal cases. And this court, on 24 previous specific occasions, has rejected all prior attempts to intervene. So now that the DOJ has dropped the case, so now suddenly Judge Sullivan decides that the 25th time's a charm, and he's going to allow these, you know, people... Can you to, imagine the blackmail they have on him? That's I mean, my point. Thanks. Yes. The swamp runs deep, my friends. I mean, Sullivan oh, yeah. must must have, you know, some, you know, must have taken some cues from Obama's veiled threat last week. And they must have something on him. So you have to understand with Judge Sullivan, he served on the same district court with the FISA judges who were directly connected to this case. Judge Rosemary Collier, she is the judge who approved the first FISA application to spy on Carter Page that was signed by Comey and Yates. And Judge Contreras was the first judge in Flynn's case who actually had to recuse because it was found out from text messages between Page and Strzok that Contreras had a personal relationship with Strzok. And in those text messages, they were clearly talking about and plotting and to use Judge Contreras in their scheme. So this is, you know, 
this is the swamp. The DC DC swamp oh, yeah. extends even to the courts. And oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the same as those prosecutors that came out in defense of it. How much of them, you know, have, how much bullshit have they done back in the day? Just forced mm-hmm. their hand on this. Exactly. Yep. And so, you know, we, we just have to ask, you know, what leverage do they have on Sullivan to make this kind of outrageous move? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really don't know. But, you know, if, they, if they're taken out of the playbook of Epstein, you know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, specu- speculation edge, pull it in. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> walking it back, walking it back. <laughs> We're fact-based over here, mate. I want to. I want to hear the, the lowdown on the whole crowd strike DNC Russia Seth Rich thing. I don't know if uh, either of you had a chance to follow that or not. I saw that hitting. Um, as you know, I've been deep, deep, deep in a report I've been working on. So it's so hard for me to follow twenty different things going on at, at depth. You know, so I don't know how much um, what you caught on that. Anyone? Anyone? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I had, you know, some bullet points on a lot of news that's been coming out of the office of the director of national intelligence lately. I mean, some big moves and shakeups going on over there and you know, the, the whole crowd strike Seth rich DNC server WikiLeaks case, um, is kind of rolled into that. So part of those, you know, that drop of transcripts that we that we received last week included information about CrowdStrike. And so um, we now have new revelations regarding the DNC server, CrowdStrike, um, and the, this trove of documents. They, they actually show that they had no evidence of the Russians stealing emails from the DNC. So that's the basic, you know, overall uh, consensus or information that we've gathered from that drop last week. But there's also new information um, with regards to things that we can look forward to in the future. Um, So last week, attorney Ty Ty Clevenger wrote a letter to Richard Grinnell, the the acting director of Office of of Director. Of Department of National Intelligence. Oh, D-N-I. Okay. There you go. <laughs> okay. So he was requesting that OD- ODNI declassify records related to the Seth Rich case, citing that those records were only classified to conceal wrongdoing by the Obama administration. And he went into specifics on that, um, which is illegal. They can't, that's, that's not a reason to be able to classify something. So, We'll see if Grinnell um, declassifies um, at this request and we get some new information on the Seth Rich case. And um, it seems like Grinnell, in my opinion, he's a man on a mission right now. (laughs) Yeah, I loved the photo they put out of him walking over the transcripts in the briefcase. Yep. Intimidation factor. That was great. (laughs) Yeah, I like Grinnell. I like him a lot. So I'm looking forward to seeing um, what kind of moves happen in the near future about this Seth Rich case. And then um, kind of tying onto that, we have Assange. Um, So they, you know, he's been over in England 
um, awaiting extradition, you know, awaiting his court, his, you know, hearing for that, that was put on hold. We still have to wait until September for that to resume due to coronavirus. How convenient. So, oh, Lord. Yep. But we have wow. some other updates out of ODNI, too. So, you know, Richard Grinnell, since he came in as acting director of the Office of National Intelligence, um, he was, uh, he's been making a lot of moves. He announced these organizational changes. Um, a top Intel officials left. Uh, they brought in Ezra Cohen Watnick. You guys remember Ezra Cohen Watnick? He's, um, he served, he was, uh, okay, so he was a senior director for, for intelligence under General Flynn in the early days in the Trump administration. Mm. And he was pushed out um, by, you know, when the whole thing with Flynn went down, uh, Ezra was pushed out by Trump's second guy, uh, National Security Advisor McMaster. But like Flynn, Ezra knows where the bodies are buried too. And um, so he's the one who reportedly helped Nunez obtain documents of the Obama administration unmasking the Trump campaign officials. So anyways, he's now over at ODNI helping Grinnell out. And he's going to be working on counter-narcotics and global threats like Hezbollah and Iran. Nice. Yeah, that's good. And then the bigger news is really this, these cache and, uh, documents. So we had that one cache last week, and now we have this satchel that you were just referring to with Grinnell carrying that over to Barr. And these are supposed to be documents that, um, you know, talk about uh, the unmasking. Um, so it's supposed to be bombshell from what i've heard it's expected to reveal massive surveillance not just of flynn but just massive way beyond flynn and they're expected to reveal gross violations of the the unmasking and include names of the unmaskers so uh that's kind of been put on hold uh you know we thought those were going to be released earlier this week but then we've hearing reports that the doj plans to uh, doesn't plan to release this unmasking list, uh, mm-hmm. but that ODNI has the authority to do it, and that it's something that can be worked out between Grinnell and Barr. And this was just released as we were recording this. The Obama administration officials who unmasked General Flynn, their names have been released by Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson, and these names include Biden. Comey, Brennan, Clapper, and Powers, among others. So we're going to have to dig into this and talk more about it next week. But yes, so we did get the unmaskers unmasked. And we had a feeling that something like this was going to happen before the election because it kind of had to. Oh, absolutely has and, to. And, and the way he's using this as well, um, whether anything comes of it, you know, like we all hope so. Um, but he's using this sort of like a chant like he did with Hillary Clinton, like the like, like the locker up chant. It right. does spur the base. And so like Obamagate's going to spur the base just like the locker up chant did. If you haven't noticed, they time things out, you know, that because of what the play Sullivan just made, that's shifting this next play. You know, it's, it's this whole, we keep seeing this whole back and forth. So, and then Graham said, 
that he's going to have the hearing, uh, what is it, the first week of June. Where Graham says a lot of shit, on. though. Well, <laughs> yeah. True. Very true. Let's just be uh, honest. Graham says a lot of shit. <laughs> but he says early June, they're going to have the hearing having to do with uh, those involved with Flynn and that he'll have Comey's going to testify. I'm trying to remember who else is going to be there. Uh, do you remember? Do you recall that, Edge? Probably no one because it probably won't happen. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember. I don't remember who all. I, I'm, I'm over the congressional hearings. Like, we're past that point. We already know. I want to oh, see I Durham. I want to see know. indictments. And if, he, if Lindsay's talking June, that's around when we can expect Durham to start coming into play. See, all of this yeah. that's happening right now, all of these disclosures that are, like you said, timed out. Yep. Um, they're leading up. They're primers. They're primers yep. to awaken the public to prepare them for the bombshells that Durham is going to uh, unveil. Um, so really, you know, we're, we're basically watching the previews or watching the commercials of the upcoming movies before the main event. Um, so that should be taking place, I think, this summer, um, right leading us into the election. So... Um, but, uh, you know, everything that that we do, that the good guys do, there's going to be counter moves, like you just said. I mean, you know, if this, if if we're living in a video game, <laughs> then, <laughs> then 2020 is the boss fight. I mean, it's like, it's right. like we, every time we try to kill the deep state. It just like finds a cheat code and you know keeps gets coming back under, <laughs> under another rock. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. Well, they have a lot to lose. Oh, absolutely. Do you I know mean, what I mean? They're, and they're, they've never faced anything like this in history. Of course, they're going to throw at it, and they're going to continue to throw everything they have at it. It's just yep. how it is. Yep. The plan right, didn't. The plandemic didn't work. So release the murder hornets. <laughs> oh my god! And then come out with the contact tracing to stoke more fear. It's it's well, crazy. Well, the good news, speaking of elections, is Mark, Mike Garcia won a seat in California's twenty fifth district the other day. Yeah, was that a hundred percent official? Because when I was when I was looking at it late last night, it was like they were still counting or it wasn't a, it wasn't a hundred percent yet, but he had this huge lead. Well, I, it comes down to mail-in ballots. Mail-in ballots haven't come in yet. Is what <laughs> I was but, but yeah, that's what I thought at first, but then I just saw a tweet earlier saying that it was actually helping him and he was actually gaining traction. Good. Huh. Okay, good. So yeah, that, that was interesting. I still don't know everything about it. It just came up on my feed, but that is an interesting thing to note considering They've held that for how many years? And and Scott Pressler was just saying last night in a tweet that this is uh, this would be the first time in 22 years that we flipped a seat red. Beautiful. So that's very telling. Absolutely, it is very telling. And uh, I can't remember his name right now, but Wisconsin won yesterday too. Uh, Republican was it Tom something? No idea. I don't have it in front of me, but. Yeah, so very interesting. So, and, it, and it's interesting that no no TV, uh, no mainstream media outlet has reported that at all. <laughs> of course not. No, no, shocker. Not they've, but they are pumping out their conspiracy Obamagate. They are throwing that out. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, speaking of mainstream media, so I have this uh, wonderful friend writer who is a journalist and senior editor. He's He's been around for quite a while, and he just wrote a piece um, on Corey's Digs that I released this morning called Citizen Journalists Usher in a Changing of the Old Guard. And it's a quick, short read. It's a great read. So uh, it's by James Fitzgerald. So I encourage people to go in and read it. Oh, I love it. Interesting perspective from, uh, cause you know, he's, he's worked in the mainstream news for years. And so he, uh, with newspapers, you know, so he's quite familiar with the tactics. In we the are the news now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, I am working on, uh, a big report right now on contact tracing and uh, my goal is to have that out Friday by the time we, we post this. Um, it, it's, I know there's a lot out there already on contact tracing, but I'm bringing in some information that's not really being talked about um, on some, some of the people involved in this that always seem to manage to fly under the radar. Uh, so I'm working on that. Um, one one component of that, obviously, is the wonderful new Contact Tracing Act, uh, the HR 6666, that they are trying to get through at rapid pace, either as a standalone, or we know they're going to try and slip this in the new coronavirus package. So what's killing me is last night there was, I forget who tweeted it, he, he did a video of scrolling through all 1,815 pages of Pelosi's newest coronavirus package. And uh, he's like, look, it took me six minutes just to scroll through it. And he videoed it. I'm like, man, do we have to freeze frame this to see it? Or have they actually released this somewhere yet? They usually, until they reach a certain point, they don't seem to release that publicly. So I'm not sure if that's that's out yet. Um, But I I saw that tweet. It was yeah. from the GOP Senate. Okay, okay. Account. So one of the um, one of the things in there, of course, is uh, Pelosi wants voting by mail and prohibiting voter ID as a condition of obtaining a ballot. So <clears throat> we already knew they'd keep trying to sneak that in. I don't. I don't think that's going to get by. I just hope that th- this contact tracing bill that was. Um, drafted up by none other than Bobby Rush, uh, congressman out of Illinois. And there's 44 Democrats signed on to this and one Republican who used to be a Democrat who's in New Jersey. And so they want $100 billion to essentially funnel that money out to all their buddies with nonprofits so they can go around and do mass surveillance across this country, send out mobile units to people's homes. It is utterly insane, breaking every privacy right, constitutional right, probably bordering on HIPAA laws. And <clears throat> I swear to God, if they let this slip in through, the, uh, through this next coronavirus package, I'm going through the roof. Yeah. I don't think it will. Everybody keeps saying that this bill that Pelosi, basically what they're saying is that she wrote this dang thing herself because Mm. they're not even, you know, in session and that they're voting by proxy or they, you know, something to that effect. And, and, um, and, and so 
that it's not going to pass, that it's really just grandstanding. It's just a wish list. Um, but at the same time, it's like we still need to be vigilant about this because this is insane. Um, this um, 6666 bill. Right. <laughs> aptly named. <laughs> so coincidental. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but I am going to get into, cause I, I found a, I found an interesting little tidbit on Bobby Rush. Aside from the fact that I think anyone who, who is familiar with him knows that he's a big pay to play schemer and always has been. And he's been under investigation and oversight, um, you know, ethics committee, and he's had to pay fines um, for uh, evading taxes, property taxes, income taxes, loans, employee tax, all kinds of stuff. Um, taking campaign funds, you know, that were quite suspicious. Um, but I found something else more interesting, and I'll I'll save that for the report. And um, oh, you're gonna leave us hanging. <laughs> <laughs> then, gotta read it and then <laughs> tell us and then we'll just cut this part out and uh but no but there's some other players too that have always flied under the radar and i've always kept a close eye on them I've, i track them so i'm i think i'm actually going to do an article breaking down the general contractors because i think there's a lot of confusion as to for example, like some people think that the funders are also the orchestrators, which is not always the case, or that the orchestrators are the investors, or that all these groups of people over here that are also involved in it are somehow the masterminds behind it, but they're not. So, so there's these different levels of players, and there's this core group that is at the center of every freaking agenda, and if there's one of them is not involved or two of them are not involved in this core group with a particular agenda. And then that agenda is not going to fly anywhere. Like that is how significant this core group is. And I guarantee you there aren't many people that would probably guess the whole of who this core group is because it's confusing because there are so many nefarious characters and organizations and arms, you know, to this, this deep state swamp. But a lot, most of them are just like minions, you know, they're pushing the narrative or they're investing, funding. Um, maybe you have a legislator who does some pay to play to write up a bill that's to their advantage. So you've got all these like little guys out there, but right, it, right. They, they like to compartmentalize things so that it, it, basically shields them from any kind of liability or any kind of accountability. Um, it's sort of like an alibi, you know, if, if they can subcontract things out uh, where the, the people that they're using um, are, have limited information as to what their involvement in exactly. the larger agenda really is. And yeah. I, I saw that, you know, going on with um, this news that's breaking about, um, about uh, Brennan, you know, and how they, you know, were unmasking and how they were contracting things out to get around the legalities of the, the unmasking. Right. And, 
And so, yeah, if they can, they'll find ways to um, get around the laws and um, to shield themselves from the accountability and from you really understanding the uh, the web and the connections. Right. And then using using outside contractors. That's been happening for years for for, like on on heaps of different levels. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. And and heaps of stuff. And then you have the, um, so you have like the main government, government who has all their factions, you know, uh, from FBI to CIA, DOJ, on and on. And you've got that core group <clears throat> that carries out obviously very specific things at high levels with law and whatnot. And they're like the protectors. But then you've got the agenda core group. And without, you can't have one without the other. You know, and so the the ones within the government arms are protecting the ones that are carrying out the agendas, and the agendas need to be carried out. So, as far as they're concerned, <laughs> as far as we're concerned, so it's it's quite an interesting dynamic, and that's pretty much if you go back through my reports, going back a few years, uh, that is why I focused so hard on this core group and tracked them to try to stay ahead of their moves and what their next plans are for humanity, because this affects everyone. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican and independent, you don't vote. I don't care where you live in the world. This affects everyone. It is, it is global and it is, it is them against humanity. And, and people need to start waking up to that because they're, they've done everything they can to create every form of division humanly possible and a lot of that's worked for them that's worked to their advantage but right now i think we're seeing uh, like going to the protest speaker because that's the part that gets me so excited like when we see people rallying behind you know the woman at the salon and then she gets out of jail and we see people rallying behind the cop and and people protesting and um you know, like Ventura County, California, when the health department comes out, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but, and, and is talking about doing the contact tracing and going in and removing family members to take them elsewhere to quarantine them. And people, this is when social media really has an impact in this battle because all of us go out there and just hammer it to death saying this, you know, this is unconstitutional. This is illegal. What the hell? And then he had to walk that back. Now, I don't know where that's going to go from here, but, but my point is when people speak out and people fight like hell and whether it's taken to the streets and doing a peaceful protest or it's online on social media, hammering the heck or getting on the phones and, you know, calling your local representatives, it, makes a huge impact yeah so we've we've seen a lot of that over the last couple of weeks um most of it coming through corona related issues or uh, people um protesting uh, anti-lockdown laws um we saw a really large one in brazil uh which wasn't talked about a lot um where jay bolsonaro wanted to start opening things up and opening up the economies and local governors which is going against him. And the people rallied really hard behind Bolsonaro. Um, so that, that was really interesting. Mm. I, 
I couldn't really post anything about that because there's a lot of translation to do. Like Ed, every time I post something about a protest or rally, and I I have to go back and I try to try to get it legit as possible, which means I, I kind of go through, I translate them, and I couldn't get anything solid on that, so I couldn't really post anything about it. But yeah. the German one was a lot different. Um, and who would have thought that Germany would have actually come out in force? I made a post the other day that um, got about 16,000 likes, so it was pretty, it's pretty decent. Yeah. Um, Twitter. And when, when you make a post like that, it's really interesting because it breaks the echo chamber. Mm-hmm. And you start getting people retweeting it saying, look at these stupid people, look at this. And then you've got other people retweeting it saying, look at these people, they're heroes, fight for your right. So right. It's, real, it's real weird scrolling down like my notifications and, and seeing the, the, the different viewpoints. Um, but Germany was absolutely amazing to see. You had anti-lockdown protests, um, which they're protesting to ease um, restrictions further. Um, we had it in Munich, Frankfurt, Cologne, Stuttgart, uh, Nuremberg, Hamburg, and there were big crowds. Like you can't, you couldn't really sweep that under the rug, even though you didn't hear much about it <laughs> on, on mainstream media. Right. Um, but there were big crowds, and l- like I said, breaking the ep- echo chamber with this sort of thing is there was a lot of people on the other side saying, kind of not really believing how many people were for this. I mean, you've got a lot of Karens out there, and I'm sorry to use the meme for anyone that's named Karen. I apologise. <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting, like, a really rough run at the moment. <laughs> but that's that. That's the meme. But you're getting a lot of these Karens that are, like, ratting on their neighbours, and that it's they're just they're in this state at the moment where they just don't really get it. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, because the, they're still in fear and, right? and shamed and guilted. And I actually have I, a couple little stories on that, but keep going. A hundred percent. But but these are already people that you can, that were probably already in fear to begin with. These are the people that think Trump is Hitler and he's trying to sell, sell off the country to Russia. I mean, th- those are those people living in this fear already. Right. So, of course, coronavirus comes around. And they're just holding on to the hand of the nanny of a government. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that, that they just expect everything the government says. And it's, it's so weird to see so many people throw their rights, constitutional rights, out the window for a little bit of protection or like, yeah. or, or just like a blanket of, right. of safety. It's weird. It's really strange to see because at the but moment. It's not even a blanket of safety, it's an illusion of safety. 100%. Mm-hmm. It is. It's actually leading us. It's like, here, hold my hand. I'm just going to walk you right off the cliff. <laughs> right, know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's a, it's a great way to put it. Because at the moment with this coronavirus, it's been around long enough now that we know there's not a global killer. It's been around that much now. Uh, rates are going up and down. They're steadying. But it's still, to catch coronavirus, it's 0.3% chance. And for anyone under 20, it's like a 0.1% chance. Or a world population, it's small, it's tiny. Now, of course, you can do both. You can restart an economy and you can also help the vulnerable and protect the vulnerable at the same time, right? You, you mm-hmm. don't need to go tyrannically one way, which is what they're trying to do. And it's 
complete economic suicide. And there is the human response at the moment is going to really outlast the damage of the virus. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it really is because at, at the moment, I don't think people realize how bad another Great Depression would be. I don't think they've really thought about it, right? There, there, there's something like 10 to 20 million Americans out of work, and that's just America, right? And this will be a global recession if it continues like this. I think that it's means- more than that. I think the percentage rate has actually already hit beyond the Great Depression as far as unemployment goes. But, mm, but I'm, I'm talking breadlines here. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking like a severe case. Look, there's definitely in a depression at the moment. Right. Right. But I'm talking about a real severe Great Depression. And it's the mum and pop shops that are going to go first. Right. So they're the ones that you need to start protecting. And they're the ones that need to start. I mean, Costco is not going to go broke. They're still open. They can still. <laughs> right. Yeah. They, 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 they can still. Um, if anything, they've increased their sales. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. They, they can have- still work with commerce. Right. But the little mum and pop shops are the ones that are going to go. And the people that are so scared of this virus and they're, they're all fine at staying home at the moment are the ones that are either on welfare. Right, so it doesn't bother them, right? Or trust fund babies, right? They work for media outlets or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They work from home, right? And they don't, they don't understand that, you know, if it keeps going like that, in a month down the track where they go online and try to order their fancy watermelon-smelling candle, right, that that company's not going to go be there anymore. And they're going to wonder why. You know what they really should have done is when they – decided to select, hand-select, who they deemed to be essential businesses, such as Walmart and Costco and hardware stores, they should have said, but since your, your sales are going to increase exponentially, since we're shitting on all the little guys, like we always do, we're going to require that a percentage of your sales all go towards the coronavirus to helping other people, or a fund that's going to go towards the stimulus to support other people that we're not allowing to stay open and we're sending all the business to you guys. But, you know, that's... You know, like- and if you're a business like, say, in California, where they've just announced that they're going to be extending the stay-at-home order for another three months... Yeah, know, is that I mean, legit? No way. I was seeing, I was seeing back and forth on that. I realized tons of news sources reported that, but then some people were saying that it originated, the original source it came out of, was lying about it. So I don't know. I, I haven't had time this morning to go in and, and look at that. Um, I, and, I can't say a hundred percent, but then you got, then you go to Washington and they're saying the state of Washington, they're saying that they're, they're requiring restaurants to ha- to log, keep logs of their patrons, like contact logs, Names and contact information, yes, for tracing. They just announced that. So it's it's that it's it's tyrannical. Goes so beyond. And if restaurants agree to do that, see, this is my whole thing. The 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 what's the term I'm looking for? Like the packs, you know, the sheep that that think herds think to think together that. that, that whole group think. So people are afraid to step outside of the box. They're afraid to be different. They're afraid to be looked at or, um, or what are people going to think of me, you know? So not many people go against the grain. And 
I just want to give like, so here's an example a week ago and some people are probably going to hate on me for this because I know there are some people that still believe it's important to wear masks out in public. And I'll get back to that in a minute. But a week ago, I went to a hardware store to go look for flowers with a friend of mine. Neither of us chose to wear masks going in, even though it is mandatory in my state. We were not stopped by anyone um, at this particular store, and I, nor have I been at the grocery stores I go to. So I don't really get many, it's not like I get the stink eye or anything from anyone, but there are some people that look at me almost with this perplexed look like, gosh, that didn't even dawn on me to not wear one. You know what I mean? Like you could see their wheels going. So we're in there and it was a windy, cold day and they moved everything inside. So they're all stacked up on those racks and they're all crammed together. And so (laughs) great way to do social distancing. So you have all these people with masks on in this tight little area, you know, looking for flowers and whatnot. And we didn't have our masks on. And a, a woman came up to us and said that she was proud of us for not wearing our masks. And then about 10 minutes later came back and she was chatting with my friend and she had taken her mask off. And so my point is she obviously went in there not wanting to wear one. She wasn't for this, didn't believe this, whatever her reasons were. But she didn't feel comfortable doing that until she saw that someone else also did it. And so when it, gets, when it comes to this whole contact tracing shit show that they're trying to do, which is their part two, their phase two of, of continuing the fear saga, because people are all talking about the situation with the masks now, and that, that is, you know fear porn, eye candy for people to have this constant visual and reminder that we are in a state of pandemic and, you know, no one's safe. So you have to wear these masks. So now what they're going to do is they're moving into the contact tracing, which, you know, as soon as you start saying, we're going to come knocking on doors, we're going to be calling you, we're going to be hounding you, we're going to be getting your contact information and everyone you've been in contact with, and we're going to do this across the whole country. Everyone's like, oh, I'm being so violated, you know? And then they submit because they get scared and feel like, oh my God, this is like new rules, this is new laws, da 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 No, I'm sorry. But if, that, if I get a phone call, guess what? I'm not answering it or I'm hanging up on them. If someone shows up at my door, I'm not opening the door. There is exactly. no law that tells me I have to talk to these people, let alone give them my personal contact information. And I've gone in and I've read the scripts of what these people are supposed to ask. And I, it is over five pages long of questions. They, I just cannot see how this is not breaking every law out there. Oh, it's, it's breaking everything to do with your constitution. Amendments. It's not. Uh, to, to go back to uh, the thing you were saying, Corey, about the lady that took off her mask. Yeah. Um, there's actually a psychology behind that, uh, behind mm-hmm. uh, groups of people. There's actually an interesting video that I saw a few years back, and it's actually the most important people in the crowd or in someone that is doing something different. It's not the first person. And like, so this video was, shows you this video of a group of people. They're sitting on a hill and this one guy gets up and starts dancing. Mm-hmm. Right. The most important person is the second person that comes up and starts dancing Yeah, because then everyone else feels comfortable. 
they're like, oh, okay, all right. And then they lead off that. And then it, at the end of the video, the whole hill's dancing. Right. right? Yeah. So it, it's actually real cool, like psychology, psychology behind that. Yeah. Um, but then, but then, yeah, going back to your constitutional rights, it's about, uh, so let's say this police officer the other day, uh, Greg Anderson, that made a video on YouTube. Um, and it, it's, it's a six minute video, but he, he was talking and he was telling other police officers like himself not to enforce these tyrannical rules. Um, of course, he got put on paid administrative leave after that. Mm hmm. Um, for simply speaking the truth. Uh, and for some of the things that he said is, you know, we as police officers don't get to tr uh, um, don't get to trample on other people's uh, liberties, right? And, and that's what they're asking us to do. And it doesn't matter if someone up the chain of command tells us that we have to do it, right? It doesn't work like that. We don't have that sort of power. And he's been saying that he's, he's seen officers nationwide enforce tyrannical orders, and they have been. They're, you know, they're fining people. They're arresting people for surfing in the ocean, right, for walking right. down the street with a partner holding their hands. There's a, there was a business owner that was running a nail salon from her house, right, and she got arrested, but she can't, like, organise and conduct business within her own property. Right, so that's breaking your constitution of freedom of assembly. Right, that's in your constitution. It's the same with religion and churches. Right, from banding things, you've got freedom of religion. Speaker, right? I've seen some videos lately uh, coming out of Australia um, of cops being really heavy-handed and arresting people yeah. for for violating stay-at-home orders. Do you know anything about that? And what are your constitutional rights in Australia. I really don't know any if there's we, any differences. We don't have any constitutional rights. We don't have a constitution. Okay. <laughs> Time yeah, to yeah, move, it, buddy. It's, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's I, I, I don't know if, if all you Americans realize this, but you're the only country that has a constitution that is cemented as as much as it is. Right? Um, it's other other countries have like varying degrees of like human rights and certain constitutional rights, but they can't really be enforced. And that's why with your forefathers and that's why your constitution is so important. And that's why you can't let one go because if you let one go, it's the same as your guns. If you let that go, it's all going to crumble and you won't get a place like America again. Right. Yeah. Right. But m most of those arrests and stuff are happening in Sydney. Um, Sydney's a shithole. I'm sorry for everyone that's in Sydney, but I'm from Melbourne, and we've got like this um, gang war thing going on. People from Melbourne hate people <laughs> from. Sydney. Um, <laughs> it's 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 just a fact. Um, but well, S Sydney's the place with the most cases, and even then, it's not a lot. And and that's why you're getting a lot of people actually standing up and protesting in Australia now too. They're like going, what the hell's going on? Like in Victoria, we have, we've had like 20 cases in the last week, right? Hmm. It's not, it's nothing. It's 20 cases. That is not enough to shut down the economy. It is not right. enough, right? To let people go hungry, not pay their bills, um, n not um, feed for their kid, their children, right? It, it's, it's ridiculous. It's getting absolutely crazy now. And, that's why you're seeing these protests all over the world.
So now how long are you guys shut down for? And is it just as strict as here as far as like all businesses and everything closed down? Um, Essential services generally. And then you got like takeaway places, gyms and all that have been hit the worst, um, which I feel really, really bad about because I've got a lot of friends in the gym business. Um, I've got a friend that owns a gym in the middle of the city and his rent is like 30 grand a month. Oh, right. He's in the middle of the city and he's got no clients. How's he going to pay that? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I have and, some friends in similar situations that have their own businesses is just, it's, it's just, oh, makes me my stomach. Like I said, the economic result of this is going to definitely outweigh the virus. And I'm, I'm not saying the virus is not causing problems. I mean, it, it, it's for the elderly crowd, the 65, 70, 70 onwards, right? We can, we can look after them. We can protect them. We can get them to stay at home. But there's no reason to let healthy young individuals, men and women, not go out and work and not go out and provide for the economy and their families, right? It doesn't make sense. So when... Right? So how much longer are you guys on lockdown for? What's the word there? Uh, I, I don't know because at the moment, every week or something, there'll be a death in Victoria. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it will just stay, remain at stage four. Ugh. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like this ongoing. So like eight, we have like 20 cases and then like the last person that passed away, I think was an 83 year old and then back to stage four. Like stage wow. three. It's ridiculous. And if they would just listen to, say, like those California doctors who have been silenced by YouTube and anywhere right. else that they try to put their message out, you know, it's it's very clear, and they're not the only ones talking like this, that the statistics um, and the science do not support the lockdown orders or the stay-at-home orders, that the incidental um, and uh, effects of it will far outweigh the um the deaths due to coronavirus you know when you add up all of the the stress all of the the addiction all of the uh, abuse um all of the lack of income which forces people to kind of live on the fringe with not being able to get their medications or afford their medications or their homes or their food and all of that kind of thing the incidentals yeah, that's well. Well, that's another thing. You've got people that can't go to hospitals because they're so apparently they're so packed out with this coronavirus, and that's taking precedent. You've got people that can't go to chemo. No, right? I know. I and 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 you don't think some of those people are going to die as a, as a result? Of course they are. Absolutely. I read a, a, just a heartbreaking story uh, of a person, and I can't remember their name. Just on Twitter, commenting about how they were diagnosed with cancer. Uh, that they need a surgery, that they're in California, uh, and I don't know, I haven't fact-checked this, but this is just a personal testimony that I read, and they're saying that they can't even get a surgery that they need um, because it's deemed as non-essential. And so you have to understand that the, the, the effects of this stay-at-home order are far worse than... And, and, and uh, sorry, sorry. Finish. No, that's it. Just that it's it's far yeah. worse, it, w- far far outweighs. I think that most of us get that, and you know, um, I think that um, Rand Paul hit that that message home uh, the other day when he was um, in that hearing with Fauci, <laughs> giving yeah. him a smackdown. Um, you know, just, yeah, we should roll that clip. 
Because okay. that's, that's a really good clip. And that's, I actually wanted to, to, to talk briefly about the whole vaccine thing. People make wrong predictions. And really the history of this, when we look back, will be of wrong prediction after wrong prediction after wrong prediction, starting with uh, Ferguson in England. So I think we ought to have a, a little bit of humility in, in our uh, belief that we know what's best for the economy. And as much as I respect you, Dr. Fauci, I don't think you're the end all. I don't think you're the one person that gets to make a decision. We can listen to your advice, but there are people on the other side saying there's not going to be a surge and that we can safely open the economy. And the facts will bear this out. So, yeah. So I've always liked Rand Paul. He, uh, I don't agree with everything he says, but I just, he's got a lot of conviction and he's not afraid to stand up for what he believes is right. And so I, I have a lot of respect for that. But, you know, it's interesting because I think it was about, I think it was on May 8th. Um, and I know you tweeted this out. Uh, so you have the clip on that. We should, we should roll this clip from Trump where he was asked about vaccines and he was specifically asked about well are you going to be the first one to implement the vaccine and and he and trump was saying well i didn't say i would be the first and, and so he started talking about the safety of it and actually went on to say that you know we may not need a vaccine and some viruses just die off and go away and never come back so let's roll that clip too Mr. President, you said recently that you would, if necessary, be the first person to get a vaccine. How important do you think a vaccine ultimately is? Well, I didn't say I wanted to. That's not a, a correct statement. I said, you said, would you be? And I yeah. said, if it was good for the country, I'd be. And if it was bad for the country, I'll, I'll wait to, to be the last one. Or I wouldn't do it at all. Uh, no, I, I was asked whether or not I would do it as the first person. If I thought that was a good thing for the country, I would. I don't. You know, personally, uh, and I have to say, I think we're doing very well on vaccines. Uh, if they wanted to use me as a test, that's okay with me, if it was good. But that was really the way the question was asked. So, so but, but how important do you believe a vaccine is to getting out of this? And what do you say to those that, 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 that you know, this growing anti-vaccine? Well, I feel about vaccines like I feel about tests. This is going to go away without a vaccine. It's going to go away, and it's uh, we're not going to see it again, hopefully, after a period of time. You may have some some flare-ups, and I guess, you know, I would expect that. Sometime in the fall, you'll have flare-ups, maybe. Uh, maybe not, but according to what a lot of people say, you probably will. We'll be able to put them out. You may have some flare-ups next year, but eventually it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. You know, there are some viruses and flus that came and they went for a vaccine. They never found the vaccine, and they disappeared. They've never shown up again. They got, they die too. So like there you have else. it. So, so that was really important information. And in the hearing on May 12th, which we, you know, where Rand Paul was speaking to Fauci, I think it's also important to note that Fauci said, I must warn that there is also the possibility of a negative consequences with certain vaccines can actually enhance the negative effect of the infection. The big unknown is efficacy. So that was kind of interesting, almost like he was doing a little bit of a walk back there. 
Well, look, they know, they know that this is an issue because, and they also know that, um, you know, if, if people have the flu vaccine, because um, they did a study on this with the military, the people that had the flu vaccine became more susceptible to the coronavirus. So we have to... Um, and didn't they recently do a case study on it as it pertains to COVID-19? I want to say it was like 30-something percent um, that they anticipated people who did get the flu vaccine, that 30-something percent of them would end up testing positive for COVID? I don't know the numbers on that. I just know that they know that um, there's there's dangers involved with other vaccines mm-hmm. uh, in regards to coronavirus. They know that there's dangers involved with uh, efficacy and safety um, as far as making you sicker mm-hmm. Um with the the covid vaccine that they come up with and they're gonna try and fast track it anyways oh yeah it's ridiculous um and then i have to wonder even um you know how this whole kawasaki illness with children suddenly emerged uh, because we didn't have enough to be you know afraid of now uh with the kids in in new york and uh like what's going on with that well i have to wonder if that somehow is some kind of uh, immune um, response based off of vaccines that kids have received. Um, so, you know, we just, God, I, and they know this. Fauci mm. knows this. Oh, yeah. And they're still f- full force, full steam ahead with a vaccine. Yeah, and they could end up implementing it and you know, the Trump administration could say, hey, you know, we've determined that we don't feel this is safe enough, so we are not going to approve it here in our country, and it's not going to get FDA approved. And so it's really going to be interesting to see how this goes. But I do feel, I've, I've always felt that Trump is more for therapeutics than for vaccines and is doing what he can to kind of... <laughs> not i know he talks like they're putting money into it and he's said in the past he kind of goes back and forth well we absolutely need a vaccine and then well you know if it's not safe we may not end up needing a vaccine so he's back and forth and that right there just tells me again he's he's stalling on it um i i I just don't know that that's ever going to come to fruition i'm hoping not yeah, I'm wondering that too because I, I feel like Trump knows what's going on. He knows their game. He's playing along to some degree, but I don't think that he's going to go along with it fully because I think he and uh, he gets the agenda. He gets the the big agenda that they're after, and uh, he's I don't I know he's not for their their agenda. So. Well, and and the fact that they're not gonna you know what's funny too is so. So they all said a year, year and a half minimum, which is which is an insanity to begin with because you cannot test the safety of a vaccine or do a long-term trial in such short notice, obviously. So, but he, he at one point was saying, we're working hard on it. We're going to, we may have it as soon as September. Remember when he said that? I think it was in the town hall he did on Fox. He said, I, I absolutely, we need a vaccine. I got to have the vaccine. We might have it as early as September. Now, to me, I felt like, oh, he's putting pressure on all of them. Like, huh, I'm getting to this one first. When in reality, I don't think it's going to come to fruition until after the election, which is, I believe is what Trump wants. You know, because right. then, then we're not dealing with that, all that controversy over it while, <clears throat> while they all promote how 
you know, everyone should trust Fauci, which is why I absolutely loved what Rand Paul said to him. That was just brilliant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, thank you. Voice of reason. But you know, and then, you, and, and, and then you had some leftist uh, tweet out the other day. I, was, I saw the tweet about it saying something about Rand Paul thinking he's a doctor. He is a doctor. Like, yeah, I know. That's why it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh, probably oh, the best suited oh. to be able to have this conversation with Fauci. Not only is he an actual doctor, but he caught COVID and recovered. And then he went to serve in hospitals because he knew that he was immune. So he yeah, has I'll, seen. I'll, say, I'll send you the tweets, funny. All right. Yeah, he's <laughs> seen awesome. more on the inside than, you know, most people and can speak from a, an educated standpoint. And he was citing in that conversation with Fauci at that hearing, you know, he was citing scientific research that didn't support, um, you know, the stay at home. He was talking about the vaccines, all of this. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Love it. Love it. And what was the, I can't remember what it was. Uh, H da, 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 flu that took place back during Woodstock and we lost a hundred thousand people and they didn't shut a damn thing down during that time while everyone's out there partying at Woodstock. Is it H1N1? I don't remember. Yeah, that's look it up. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like that's the, the time frame. I'm not sure. Yeah. So. All right. Let's, um, let's wrap this up kids. We've been going for a while. Okay. <laughs> all right well, thanks okay <laughs> i'm like okay. oh i don't want to i have like, yeah, like talking to you guys in, in i like talking to you too but we've gone we've gone for at least an hour well in addition to my contact tracing report i'm working on wrapping up this week i had come uh, come across some very interesting connections in another area that has to do with one of the people involved with this whole manufacturing of the contact tracing plan um, so that's another report I'm going to be working on. And I also started writing up <laughs> two other articles. This is what I do. I'll be in the middle of working on a report and I'm plugging along and all of a sudden this brainstorm hits me and I'll shift gears, open up a new document and start writing a whole other article and then save it. So at least I have all my main thoughts down. So I've, I've got a lot that's going to be rolling out in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. And it seems like things are, yeah, things are moving so quickly. It's hard to stay abreast of all that's going on. So, and it's going to continue that way. So we will try to keep you guys up to date on the weekly happenings. Oh, I want to apologize again, because we didn't answer any comments this week because we didn't have any to answer. But <laughs> 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 we, we will start that again. We'll get all on right. that next week. Yeah, sounds good, guys. All right, thanks for listening to us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. Please be sure to share this podcast. We're now on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and as always, YouTube. We'll see you back next time right here on Dig It. Fight for your rights. Yeah. Good one. That was a good one, Corey. I like it. <laughs>